Alrighty, fellas, before we get into this podcast episode, I just want to let you know about Anchor. It is a totally free platform and exactly how I get to record this podcast and host it to all of you. It has never, I repeat, never been easier to start a podcast. If you know me, I always try and promote creation, and this is by far the easiest way to get that done. All you need is some sort of microphone or a recording device, your phone, aka, and then you go over to Anchor and you could edit it right in there. Outside of it being free, I really liked Anchor because it distributes your podcast for you, so the second you put it on Anchor, it'll hit everything, everything immediately, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google Play Store, Stitcher, whatever it might be, it goes to every single one of those hosting sites and you can make money off it right from the start with ads like this one. So you can download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm, that is anchor.fm to get started today for free. Welcome back to the 2021 first video for the GIAF. That is right, the GIAF. I don't have my gal hoodie. It's in the mail right now, but you can check out the golf hoodies down below. Sorry, gal hoodies. All right, if you get annoyed with that, we'll stop that. But ladies, gentlemen, fellas, 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 we didn't do a video last week or a live stream because it's a 44-person field. How much do I really want to break down? I know that it's good to have content out for it, but we had a massive week. Super, super, super the marketing tactic for the NFL Wild Card weekend. We continue to have some big slates, and we will for the entire rest of the next few months for the NBA. But now we sat down. I want to do this. I did a show with Rick Gaiman last night in the First Cut CBS podcast, so be sure to check that out. But now we want to get a video up on the channel. Maybe, maybe we'll do a live stream on Wednesday, depending on how much time that I have. I'll be traveling later this week. But welcome to the show, man. We are here. We are here for the first DFS preview for the GALF, the PGA for 2021. And now if you're a follower of mine that does not follow golf, I encourage you. I encourage you to play some DFS golf this week, whether it's a free contest, whether it's a dollar head head, whether it's you have a ticket, whatever it might be, because it is a lot of fun. The sweat is unreal. It is a four-day sweat, and really it's a two-day sweat up until the cut, and then depending on if your players make the cut, you have a very live chance at winning, and you're going to be sweating for two days after that, and it's so much fun. There's no sweat like DFS golf, especially when you are sweating birdies and bogeys on the final couple of holes. But welcome in, everybody. I'll basically be identifying a guy in each salary range, maybe a guy or two that I like and don't like. You can see some markings on the screen right now. These are my early interests, and we'll have our final interest on Patreon. We'll also be having projections, rankings, ownership as well. A massive thing to be having in golf. Probably the biggest thing for golf DFS is ownership. At this point, it's just fading highly owned guys, no matter how good they might look, because long term, that's going to pay off for you because golf is such, such, such a highly variant and random sport. The best players in the world miss the cut sometimes. It's not often, but they miss the cut sometimes. The guys that are priced all the way up at the top for $10,000 plus, they probably got to get you close to a top 10 finish or at least score highly for you to win. And those guys, they don't always finish in the top 10, especially on this slate where we have a lot of guys that are uh, if not more times than not, are finishing outside the top 15 and the top 20 in that 10K plus range. So like, subscribe, all those things. This video is brought to you by Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight has been a sponsor of this show now since basically almost a year now. So I appreciate Monkey Knife Fight. And what is it? It is a player prop site, but it's more than just player props, right? You can do based on fantasy points, which we'll have projections down below on Patreon. You can follow along for that. More or less over under types of bogeys, birdies, more or less overall scoring tactics and things like that for golf. But there's also other game modes as well. You can face this guy versus this guy in a head to head, all those types of game modes. So check it out. Monkey Knife Fight is a lot of them. If you have any questions on Monkey Knife Fight, you can reach out in the Discord. You can reach out down below in the comment section. If you use my last name, Vetri, V-E-T-R-I, to go play those pretty fun and profitable player prop games in just a different format, right? It's a different format. If you're well-informed, you're going to have a nice edge there. You don't have to be going peer-to-peer. -peer. It's a different format where, you know, maybe you built lineups already, but now it's, you know, it's Saturday. It's Sunday. You want to be doing something else other than just showdown. You're not in the mood to build an entire lineup. Get a player prop in. You just got to root for one guy to beat this guy for that day. You just got to root that this guy picks up more than three birdies today. It's a lot of fun. It's a, lot, it's a different way of actually viewing Monkey Knife Fight 
write my last name, Vetri, V-E-T-R-I, will get you a free money bonus up to 50 bucks. You want to put 10 in, bam, you get $20 in your account now. You want to put 50 in all the way up, you're a heavy hitter, a head honcho, bam, now you have $100 in your account. You can't beat that offer, 100% match. Check it out down below. Thank you, Monkey Knife Fight, for sponsoring the video. My last name, V-E-T-R-I, Vetri, will get you that bonus and let them know that you came from me. Now you get your first cut event, your first larger field event, not a full field event. I think it's only 140 guys. Normally you're getting like 158, but virtually a full field event. You're getting 31 guys because Patrick Reed actually withdrew. It was going to be 32, but 31 guys are coming over from the tour champions, staying probably in Miami for the entire week. Cam Smith is the defending champ here and nine of the top 25 players in the world are at this event. So it's still a pretty loaded event. Now, why lie country club is the course. It is a par 70, 7,044 yards. It is one of the easiest courses on tour. Last year, there was some bad weather. So Cam Smith only won an 11 under, but expect some scores closer to 20 under. It's going to be narrower fairways in the tour of championships where you had a hundred yard fairways last week, which were very easy to hit, but there's not going to be crazy rough. It's just going to be some short grass if you're not in the fairway. So although accuracy is going to be important to not get into some hazards and stay on the fairway per usual, it's not going to be anything that if you're not in the fairway, you can't win the tournament. You cannot have to hit these fairways and still finish pretty highly and even win the tournament. The front nine does start pretty tough. So just look at that. If you're looking for specific tee times or where guys are going to be starting off four of the five hardest holes are on the front nine to start through those first six holes. I'm going to be looking at approach play and putting, putting long-term. You can get an idea for short-term, really not at all. Accuracy to an extent, approach play from 150 to 175 yards. I'll be waiting. These are all the things that get fueled into my projections linked down below. You can check that out on Patreon. Last year, we saw a cut line of plus two due to bad weather. That was the first time that it was a plus two cut line or even above even, I think since 2010. Normally the cut line's like minus two, minus three. Let's get into this now. We got the 10K range. Guys that won last week and were in the playoff. Harris English finally won after being in the top 10 and the top 20 and finishing basically second runner up where he had no chance against DJ and finishing in the top 10 in his last two events that we saw him. The man finally won. He ended up holding off guys like Justin Thomas, Kyle Morikawa was surging coming into Sunday. He had back-to-back -back eight unders and I had a ticket on him. He ended up beating Neiman in the playoff. I had a ticket on him. So all my guys ended up losing. I didn't have any Harris English in DFS either. I didn't really play DFS last week with any type of major volume. Yes, Harris English is going to look like if you're looking at all the ball striking metrics, he's number one in this field in strokes gained total. He's number two in around the green play, number eight in putting. He's going to look good still, but I am not paying $10,800 for Harris English, especially in this field, coming off of a win. His first win since 2013. Good old Harry English is probably celebrating in Hawaii for a couple of nights, right? His body's not going to all be there. I don't want anything to do with that. I want my golfers to be determined. I want my guys locked in. I want my guys ready to go, not having fatigue of winning and fatigue of the hangover. I don't want that. The pina coladas that are in his veins right now, I need those flushed out. And they're not going to be flushed out in time before Thursday comes. So no Harry English for me at 10,800. And then Neiman at 10,400 unless it's a very, very unpopular field where there's not nine of the top 25 players in the world, where there's not a Kyle Morikawa, a Webb Simpson, a Daniel Berger, a Sunjay M, you can keep going on, and Adam Scott and Abraham Answer, where there's not quality players that are actually strong PGA Tour players. I'm not paying $10,400 for Waikim Neem. Another guy who was in a playoff last week, another guy who was being consistent as of late, but he's still not this guy that you can count on to give you top 10s week in and week out, right? He rarely goes for top 10s. Last year, he started to become more consistent in terms of just making cuts and starting to finish in that top 25, top 30 range. I'm not yet to the point where I can just go all out and play Neiman. I think Webb Simpson's fine if you want to pay up for him. He dominates these types of courses. Last two times he's here, a third place finished last year and a fourth place in 2017. He is the par 70 king, but the par 70 uh, assistant to the regional manager, assistant to the head honcho, the King Webb Simpson, number two in par 70 scoring in this field is going to be a guy that I like in this range. Colin Morikawa. He finished 21st here last year in his first outing. He shot back to back on Friday and Saturday at the Tour Champions, eight unders. And then on Saturday, he just lost his iron play a little bit and he kind of finished out of the running. But people are probably going to not remember as much as he was doing on Friday and Saturday. 
Saturday, looking like arguably the best player in the field, probably for those two days shooting 16 under. It was like him and Sebastian Munoz that were the best players from the Friday to Saturday turn. So I do like Colin Morikawa here. Somebody that if you're looking for approach player in ball striking, number two in ball striking right now, he is number three in approach play. That's some stuff I'm looking at. He's terrible in putting. He ranks 94th out of 140 something golfers in this field in putting. But if you get anywhere near a neutral putting week, he's not losing three or four strokes. He's only losing one stroke. He's going to be up there for uh, an option for you to win. So $10,600, I like Morikawa. But a guy that I'm looking at right now, potentially as my one and done, I currently have him in on my one and done right now on Pat Mayo Cup, the Fantasy Golf Championships. Be sure to check it out for all the other contests before that stuff starts up on Thursday. He is currently my one and done. This might change, but $10,000 Daniel Berger. Daniel Berger is somebody that was consistent last week. Daniel Berger is somebody that played very well last week. And I do think that in this range, you're probably going to see ownership to Webb. You're probably going to see ownership to Morikawa. And then people slide down to Sunjay in the 9K range. I think Daniel Berger is fine here. He's number three in this field in strokes gain total. He's somebody that we saw last week, a borderline top 10 finish, and very quietly continues to rack up strong finishes. And very quietly at this $10,000 flat range, people are going to look for the discount and go to Sanjay M instead of him. That is my logic earlier in the week. So I like Daniel Berger. We don't usually cover the entire range, but since it is the 10K range, Hideki last week, he finished dead last, dead fucking last at the Tour of Championship. He ended up losing over nine strokes, putting one of his worst performances of his career. He looks lost with the punter. If Hideki was like $9,400, I'd be all in on him, right? He had his worst performance really in a very long time, finishing last in a tournament of 41 golfers or 44 golfers, but he finished dead last with Mackenzie Hughes and nobody wants to play him. And now I don't want to play him. I rarely, if you watch this channel, I do not play Hideki. I don't think I've been over the field or played him in a single entry lineup in two or three years now. The guy hasn't won in basically three and a half to four years. I think closer to four years now at this point. And although he is fantastic when it comes to tee to green play, he is number two in tee to green play in this field. He is number three around the green. He's fantastic in every metric except putting. And the putting is getting to a point where it's taking him out of tournaments, right? Last week it did in a major way. But if you're going to go out there and guarantee yourself losing strokes putting and losing them in a major way, right? In Hideki's last couple events, 9.7 strokes, two strokes, two strokes, 4.2, one stroke putting, right? We ended up seeing it a little bit at the uh, Houston Open where he finishes second because he gains four and a half strokes putting. But the putter just looks absolutely broken. If he was in the $9,000 range, I would take a stance on him because he is going to be literally unowned. If he's like 3% owned in my MMEs, my 150s, probably I'll have like 7, 8%. But I'm not playing the guy in single entry. So in the 10K range, give me Colin Morikawa, Daniel Berger. And then I'm basically neutral Webb Simpson. He's a strong player. He's great on this course. He's $11,000. If you find the salary, probably easy to. I think it's fine to get to him, but I prioritize Morikawa and Berger right now. And now we can get to the 9K range and it's led by Mr. Sunjay M at $9,800, who's definitely going to be popular. Last week alone, it was a smaller field event, but he picked up 16% ownership. So I assume even more ownership is going to come his way, especially after he, after he led that overall event in tee to green play, 9.5 strokes gained tee to green, but he lost 3.2 strokes putting. We've seen this happen to Sanjay before. He lost a lot of strokes at the Zozo, took himself out of contention, but he's normally long-term a sound and solid putter, not somebody who's going to be losing three strokes, right? So to see the tee to green play actually spike up, something that he's not known to be doing, leading an event in tee to green, that's definitely going to be coming down, but it's going to lead people to go to him. Now, I think I'm fine to get to Sanjay. I do prefer Daniel Berger, assuming the ownership is lower there, but I'm fine to get to Sanjay. He is fine. A guy that I'm going to be fading in this range is probably Cam Smith. He's getting the bump because he's a, a winner here last year at $9,600. He just lost 3.6 strokes on approach last week, which I think is not going to be as much reported as it should be. Cam Smith in the past is somebody that can actually lose his irons. If his irons are clicking, you know that the putter more times than not is probably going to be there. He's gained strokes putting in, f in five straight events for him. But if the irons start to be gone, that's the first time he lost strokes with the irons since August. So you can be saying, okay, it's just a blimp on the radar. But Cam Smith last year, if you're looking at since he lost those strokes in August, he's basically losing strokes. He goes on these, these swings over the last two years. If he starts to lose the iron, he loses it for like two to three months at a time. Now it's been his weapon basically since the restart, but that can switch pretty quickly for him. And that's just another reason why I think that there's some hesitation there because of those irons going on him on his first event this year, but also the price point at $9,600. He's getting the bump for the course history winning last year. He's getting the bump for three straight top 25 finishes and four straight top 30 finishes. I'm just not interested. The guy that I might like the most in this range, Sanjay looks good, but we can kind of assume at least right now we'll have the ownership later in the week on Patreon. Check it out down below. What are you waiting for? Fellas, 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 the Gyalf is back. Get all the tools that you possibly can. Also get the Gyalf hoodie 
hoodies linked down below in the merch store. Those look pretty swaggy. I might have to get some myself as well. But Adam Scott might be the guy that I like the most here. Adam Scott because of the ceiling. At $9,000 slap, this guy in this range, if I'm looking at Ryan Palmer, answer, uh, Cam Smith, him to an extent is similar to this, but he's a lot more expensive. $800 more expensive. I think Adam Scott has, for the price point, the best value in this 9K range for the ceiling of winning an event, for the upside of just absolutely dominating. And we got to see that approach play come on last week. He finished third at the Tour of Championships in overall approach play, getting 6.8 strokes. In my opinion, he's likely to be lower owned now. Guys like Ryan Palmer, he came through last week for a lot of people at high ownership. People are going to try and run to that. Guys like Sun JM. So maybe even some people get tricked by Cam Smith's course history of winning last year. So yeah, Adam Scott, I think in this 9K range, he might actually come in, him and answer as like the lowest owned guys. And I like him. He hasn't had good course history here. Missed a cut in 2018, back in 2015, finished T56. But that's why you're playing the guy because he's going to have low ownership with a very high upside. He overall gained the fourth fewest fairways last week. So he was not good. He was not accurate at gaining fairways. But again, we touched on it's going to be narrower. So it's going to be even harder to hit the fairways. But if you're missing them, you're not really getting that much of a penalty. It's somewhat short grass. So that is my 9K interest. There's only five guys in the 9K range. Let's now move to the 8K range where we can close out this range above $8,000. So to start off this range, there's definitely some guys that are appealing here, right? Guys like Russell Henley are going to stand out as very strong options here. Russell Henley, if you're just looking at where he ranks in this field, number one in approach play, number three in ball striking, number two in tee to green, right? He looks fantastic in those areas. The spots where he's going to struggle is with the putter, but that's going to be a lot of guys, right? Kind of like Colin Moore account. So Henley, I would suspect to be the guy who's picking up a lot of ownership last year, picking up steam and just articles and videos and podcasts and all that stuff for betting and DFS. He's probably going to be a guy who is going to go out there and pick up some ownership. So Henley's fine. He's basically the Webb Simpson in the 10K range. He's the Sunjay in the 9K range. He's He's a good player who's probably going to pick up ownership. If it becomes massive, I'll fade it. Otherwise, if it's neutral 15% or so, I'm okay to get there. As we go down through the 8K range now, you see guys like Matt Kuchar on here, who Matt Kuchar is going to be just not somebody I want to play. Not at this price point. Matt Kuchar should be $1,000 less. He's $8,400. Now, he has some course history here, right? He won in 2018. He finished 13th back in 2015, but he's coming off of a missed cut at this event. He's still a solid putter, but that's all he has going for him right now. Matt Kuchar is somebody that is missing cuts, that is finishing basically in the 50th of places. If he makes the cut, right? And, and this is pretty bad when we have to question if he even makes the cut in the 8K range or at least we feel some doubt there. If Matt Kuchar ends up making the cut, what are the odds that he does anything for you on the weekend? His best finish is back in August in 18th at the Northern Trust. In 18th in the 8K range probably is enough for you, but that is his best finish since August. Outside of that, he's finishing 59th, missed cut, 34th, 52nd, 54th, missed cut, 37th, right? He's not doing much in terms of gaining strokes on approach at all off the tee. He's basically getting you there when he does some stuff with his putter, when he gains five strokes with the putter like he did at the RSM back in November. And that's the other thing about Kuchar. We haven't seen the guy in six weeks in any type of competitive event. I know he won some event with Harris English that didn't really matter. Some uh, Q something, whatever, shootout, right? I'm not really too concerned about that. I'm not allowing that to factor in much to the equation. Kuchar is somebody I don't want to really play in this range. Sergio Garcia showed some life last week. If the putter gets going for Sergio, you're going to have a good week. That's basically all we can say. Me and Rick Gaiman broke this down on his podcast that you can check it out. But Sergio has gained strokes putting since this time last year, like three times in events. And the one time that he did it, he won the Sanderson. He gained 2.8 strokes. But only I think it was three or four times since this time last year. Yeah, literally three times since this time last year in chartered events has he gained strokes putting. 1.3 strokes gain at the CJ Cup, finishes 21st. He gains a half a stroke at the WGC Mexico, finishes 37th in a non-cut event. He's probably going to be a top 20 finisher guy or somebody that doesn't really do much for you. So Sergio, he's going to be in play for me, but he's not somebody that I'm going to go to. If his performance last week of finishing 11th at the Tour of Championships, where he lost almost five strokes putting, but gained eight strokes tee to green, right? A very Sergio performance. If that's going to be overweighting how much people want to get to him, I could get away from it. Maybe my favorite play in this range outside of Russell Henley is probably the quote-unquote chalk will be EVR. EVR we didn't get to see last week, but EVR is just a very solid player. You get the 
the approach and ball striking combination, maybe arguably the best in this range that's not named Russell Henley. You're getting number 10 in ball striking. You're getting number 18 in approach. He's seventh off the tee in this field. He's also a DraftKings scorer at a cheap $8,000 flat price tag. He is 14th in this field in birdie or better, which is what I like to see. Another guy that I'm going to be fading, which is probably going to be maybe some controversial takes here, is Charles Howell. Charles Howell is the course king god. Look at these last five finishes on the screen right now if you're watching on YouTube. 12th, 8th, 32nd, 8th, and 13th. This is his course. This is where he lives. He has 10 top 10 finishes in 19 events. He has 13 top 25 finishes in 19 events. He is that damn good. The reason why I want to be fading him here is just in terms of my opponents are going to be playing him just based off what he's done in the past, right? Based off of his 32nd, his 13th, his 12th place finish. That is fine. If he gets you a 12th place finish, he's probably fine for you at $8,000 flat. But if my opponents in DFS strategy-wise are only going to be playing a guy that at every other course, his best finishers, if he even makes the cut, is basically him finishing like T35 and 35th overall. If we want to wait course history, which it does matter to an extent for guys like Charles Howell who are doing this, and when you look at places like the Masters, but if you want to overweight that, if you want to say he's automatically finishing top 20 here because of what he's done uh, 13 years ago, then I can definitely just fade that. It's going to be an ownership thing. If Charles Howell is 10% owned, it's one thing. If he's 18% owned, they're highly owned like he normally comes in on this course, I'm just going to get away from it. I'm going to get away from the fact that this is an average golfer who has a spot on this course that he feels good about. It sets up nicely for his skill set, but if the ownership is going to already take into account for that and even overweight that, then I don't want to be playing a guy that, yes, he has two runner-up finishes here, but that hasn't been now in a half a decade. He hasn't had a runner-up finish. I don't want to be playing a guy that I don't know if he has the win upside and he's also going to be overweighted and overowned. I'd rather play a guy like EVR who might not have the win upside in this field, has not ever taken an event here, but at least I know he's probably not going to be as owned when he's standing next to guys like Charles Howell, a DFS darling like Lanto, a guy like Sergio who just had a nice week last week, right? So I think we can probably get over to EVR who will be the nice price point pivot and ownership pivot at the same exact price point as Charles Howell. We now get to the 7K range and this is a loaded range. So I'm not going to go through every single guy. I'll point out some guys that make a lot of sense. You have Sebastian Munoz who was uh, 24 under through uh, Friday to after having a plus two event on Thursday, 24 under. You can see Rick breaking more down on the podcast that we did yesterday on Monday. First cut podcast, check it out. But Sebastian Munoz was 24 under from Friday to Sunday. He would have finished basically like one back of the leaders if he just went out there on Friday and didn't have to take his Thursday score. Pretty damn nuts. He's been fantastic. He continues to do well. He has a top 10 here back in 2018. I think that Rory Sabatini is in play here. Rory Sabatini at right now this price point, he's going to go underrated. Rory, these guys in the seven carries pick up a little ownership. Sabs will probably pick up like just a little bit. You can see him right here. I think that's Rory Sabatini at $7,400. He plays well on par 70s. He's 12th right now in the field on par 70 scoring long all time. So that's going to be pretty good. His game is kind of hit or miss, but when it hits, I mean, as long as he makes the cut, and I feel pretty comfortable in this field that that's going to be happening. If he makes the cut at $7,400, he has the upside to give you those top 20 finishes at a nice price point. So Sabatini is going to be in play for me. A guy that I can definitely get behind fading, and he's at the top of the screen right now is Mr. Mark Leishman. Had a good showing at the Masters. He finished 13th there. And then he ended up coming out last week and he looked decent. He wasn't fantastic. He wasn't finishing top 10 or anything, but he had an average performance. But if that average performance is going to make people jump over to Mark Leishman and not play him with any type of confidence, I'm not going to get there. The putter is still broken. The putter is arguably the worst putter in this field right now. It ranks 127th, but it arguably might be the worst. He lost over five strokes putting last week. He lost 5.8 the week before that. He has not gained strokes putting since August, at least that we have charted stuff from competitions. August at the St. Jude, where he gained 1.3 strokes putting. He has been a very bad golfer. So if people are going to fall for what he did last week, gaining 3.8 strokes in approach, the most that he's gained on approach, I believe, if we date back all the way back to last June at the Charles Schwab, where he actually missed the cut. So if people are going to fall for that and see that coming along. I'm just not going to get there at this point because I do think he's still a little bit expensive. He had a decent finish last week, 24th, pretty much middle of the pack. If people look at that, if they overweight that, plus the Masters performance where he finished 13th, getting seven strokes, 7.1 strokes total to be exact, I'm just going to get away from him. He has decent course history here. He has four top 30 finishes and a top three in the last five years, but it's something that I'm okay fading. The guy that I like in this range, we already touched on one of them, Roy Sabs. I like Sepp Straka at $7,100. He ranks seventh in par 70 scoring for DraftKings scoring in this field right now. I think he's a discount Siwoo Kim. Siwoo Kim's a little bit more expensive in this range and he's fine. What do I mean by a discount Siwoo Kim? Well, he's nowhere near as good around the greens as Siwoo Kim. He's actually terrible. 
around the game around the greens but what i mean by that for mr sepp straka is that if you see right here behind me he's just going to be somebody that's pretty solid when it comes to putting he's going to be pretty solid basically everywhere except for around the greens his strokes gain total right now in this field currently ranked 22nd he's going to be somebody who comes in 17th in putting his approach play is strong he's 7100 and for the first time in a very long time sepp straka has actually towards the end of last year he didn't play last week it's starting to become consistent yes yeah, sepp straka somebody that used to be missing almost every other cut has now made five straight cuts right he has a top five finish in there he's basically when he's making the cut finishing for you right around 40th or better that's pretty fine at this price point of $7,100 and not only five straight missed cuts but seven out of his last eight made cuts that's very good value for what you're getting in this range for somebody who is a scorer it's not only that he's making the cut for you what are you doing after that Matt Kuchar if he's making the cut for you he's doing nothing he's not scoring enough right he's not as potent from a birdie or better standpoint you have a seventh ranked on par 70s DraftKings score right here in Sepp Straka that if he makes the cut there's a lot of upside for him so that's our 7k guys there's a bunch of other guys that are definitely in play right I have some marks next to them you can see the projections and rankings for all the guys that really stand out the most we get to the 6k range now there's really nothing below $6,500 so you can mainly mainly focus on the guys between $6,900 and $6,500 I do like myself some Danny Lee Danny Lee is somebody who's made four of his last six cuts which is good to see Danny Lee right now is solid on par 70s he's a top 12 DK scorer on them over his last 50 rounds and again that made cut equity is at least up a little bit right now now, he's not somebody who I feel confident in making the cut. I don't even think you have to go down to the 6K range based on the fact that you can start your lineups in the 9 and 8K range and have some solid players starting it off with a 10K flat Daniel Berger, then going into the 8K range for some guys, finishing up with like Sepp Strzok in that 7K range is pretty solid to me. But if you are looking for somebody here, I'm going to go to Danny Lee, who's made two out of the three cuts that he's been at this event since 2015, who after he actually makes the cut has the upside to put up some birdie or better numbers for you. And a guy right next to him at the exact same price point that I'll be fading is Richie Werniski. Richie Werniski actually played last week. He finished T24, tied with Mark Leishman. And if people are going to be judging that one week sample and, and just seeing that he had some course history last week, or at least he's been in Hawaii and there's any narrative around that and they want to play him, I'm fine to just completely fade him off of that. My whole goal this week is just to play guys that I think have actual upside and not to overweight what happened last week. If there's some meaningful stuff there, like Sebastian Munoz going on a tear and strong iron play and strong play in general outside of Sunday that people might overrate at a calm workout, yeah, I'm going to take that. But I'm not going to be taking these average performances out of guys like Richie Wernerski in a smaller field and Mark Leishman and overweight those to have any interest in those guys unless there's a meaningful reason to and I don't see it. So Richie Wernicki, a guy who doesn't make that many cuts, and yes, he obviously made the cut last week because it was a no-cut event at the Tour of Championships. I'll get away from that at 6,800. There's other guys in play, like you know, your Nate Lashley's, your Brian Gazer in play, Mark Hubbard, Adam Shank. These guys are in play, but none of them are priorities. You get below $6,500. I might have like listed one guy, Wesley Bryant at $6,300. That's literally the only guy that I listed down here. We can see the projections later in the week, and you'll see that none of these guys grade out as great values. None of these great guys grade out as great upside plays if they even make the cut because they're made cut equity. It's probably for a lot of them below 50% which really hurts their projection standpoint. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 there's your pretty brief breakdown of the first Yalf event of the season. Let me know what you think in the comment section down below. We'll have full projections, rankings, ownership, super draft projections, all this type of stuff. It will be linked down below. You can find it on Patreon later in the week, potentially even by today as of Tuesday, if you're watching this. But be sure to take advantage of that. I plan, let me know if you're interested, if you're still watching. I plan to do a live stream maybe on Wednesday. I got a lot of content to get done this week, but maybe we'll do a live stream for about 45 minutes to an hour on Wednesday to break down this slate and kind of close it up and get some Dalaruskis one from the Gyalf this week. Thank you for tuning in. Support the sponsor of the show, Monkey Knife Fight. Play some player props. Check it out today. If you want to just sign up, you can put in 10 bucks and they'll give you a 10 bucks right there. So you actually have a pretty nice bankroll using my last name, Vetri, V-E-T-R-I. It'll give you a free money bonus up to $50. Ruskies, like and subscribe before you go and hit the notification bell so if we do go live, you are notified of when we do that. You all rock and I'll see you all in the next one. Enjoy that the Gyalf is back. Hope you, hopefully you had a good week last week. So far this week, if you're asking about my bets, maybe I'll post them. I have a couple of bets in the chamber right now for this week, but maybe I'll post them on Twitter at DFS for golf. But yeah, golf is back. I cannot wait. So I just want to let you guys know that you should enjoy the rest of your day. Peace out, game.